Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 23, Carpe Jugulum. Yeah, we are. Yep. One of the best ones, would you say? Uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. It's uh, top five for me, maybe even higher than that. Mm-hmm. It is a really, really good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, so let me tell you the summary. Yeah. Vampires come to Lankra. Good summary. Thank you. This I'm, is one of I'm your learning. best ones yet. I'm learning, you know. Mm-hmm. I almost said vampires visit Lankra. That would have been better. Three words, but yep. also not entirely accurate because mm-hmm. they come to stay. Right. They're not just visiting. They end up, spoiler for this book we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. um, they end up getting defeated. You don't say. Yeah, the, the good guys uh, win at the end of this book. The Arguably the either the first or the second most defended place on this world, mm-hmm. depending on how well you, you rate the watch. So yeah, and... The thing is, I don't really like vampires. Mm-hmm. I don't much enjoy stories about them. I find the lore confusing and contradictory, mm-hmm. which is one of the things this book calls out. Right. But I love this. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things Terry Pratchett does very well, which is he takes a lot of stuff from fantasy and such and fantasy adjacent genres that I don't traditionally like and makes them interesting to the me. The thing is, you don't like vampires that much, but when you do like vampires, you really like them. Like, what we do in the shadows is... Well, because it's comedy. Yeah. Maybe it's just, it needs comedy, because mm-hmm. that was that was the in for me with Buffy also, mm-hmm. was it didn't take everything entirely seriously. And that might be the only vampire things I like. So right. There you go. But you particularly like all those things, despite Joss Whedon ruining everything I, you know we draw the line at different places mm-hmm. i acknowledge that he's a garbage person now but i still enjoy the work you mm-hmm. don't like to watch things once you figure that out and that's that's no, your prerogative I, then all i do is sit there thinking like yeah oh so she suffered during this and she suffered during this yeah no, i just i i'm very good at compartmentalizing mm-hmm. which you have to be in 20 now teen yep everyone's garbage anyway a trash fire Discworld. Is not what a we're trash talking fire. About. This book is not a trash fire. No, and the reason I wanted to bring up the um, me not liking vampire stuff mm-hmm. is I wanted to present the contrast of you also think it's an excellent book. Yep. And you love vampire I stuff, love and vampires. you're very, very well read in the in the genre. So mm-hmm. it works for both of us. Is my mm-hmm. point, which I think is a very uh, like high achievement. Yeah, ditto. What we do in the shadows, same deal. Yeah, shadows. But the fact that it stands up to. Like, the scrutiny you mm-hmm. would give it. Like, okay, that's not how vampire stories work. Mm-hmm. And you, you got this wrong. And you, you didn't really say that, like, at all. And it's very good. And whereas I know nothing, didn't matter. I love all of the vampire things that also kill everyone else. Yes. Well, that that's always been... And maybe mm-hmm. I was parroting it from this. Maybe I came up with it independently. It's not a, you know, it's not a completely original joke, but it's still funny. Yeah, you have to put some garlic in their mouth and bury them at a, at a crossroads. And cut, cut off, off their, their head. head. Yeah. Yeah. They all end with cut off yep. their head. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, And all the, like, I didn't know about the lemon thing. Mm-hmm. What is that? Just another thing like garlic. Yeah, but where did it, like, what story is it from? I don't remember. It's just well, another, it's just another one of those things. Okay. Well, I don't know, like... The thing about vampires for me has always been like every time I watch a story with vampires, it's got different rules. And each vampire is a different thing. We were talking about this a little bit. It's because for some reason or another, the bloodsucker myth is really is something that humans really latch on to. So you've got that bloodsucker myth through a bunch of different cultures. And so in, you know, the now times, you've got all of these different views on what vampires are and aren't and all that kind of stuff. And then you they also got taken over by a lot of young adult stuff that also mm-hmm. sort of tweaks it and changes it to make it more sort of palatable to that market. So it's just a whole, it just comes from a whole bunch of places. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when the Twilight movies came out mm-hmm. and everyone's like, vampires don't sparkle. Like, well, vampires aren't real. They do whatever you say they do. What's the damn difference? Mm-hmm. But yeah. people were really upset about that. And it's like, but not every vampire is killed by garlic not everyone is killed by a cross like everyone is different so and it turns out the twilight books and movies are just terrible yep why not hate them for that reason mm-hmm. 
instead of, you know, for changing the vampire myth slightly because everything changes it slightly. I read those. I read that first book because I wanted to see what everyone was going on and on about. Yeah. And I, I couldn't read the second one. Like I was, I was done. However, you made me watch all five, mm-hmm. five, count them, one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, five movies twice in the same year. Mm-hmm. So I have seen 10, effectively 10 Twilight movies. It's because... The riff tracks for them are like particular. Like I love riff tracks in general, but yeah. for them, they were particularly good. No, they're riff tracks so has funny. been around for over ten years. They've mm-hmm. done more than two hundred movies, and these are among the best movies mm-hmm. they've ever done. You are correct. But so funny. Twice in the same year was a bit much. I I know way too much about Twilight. Everyone should watch the riff tracks ones. They are so fucking funny. They are quite quite uh-huh. good. Um, but as far as funny goes, the thing is, we're now in that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. We're in the sweet spot of. This is really about something. It's yep. about character. It's about theme. It's about big social things, mm-hmm. but it's also funny. Mm-hmm. Like in the very latest books, he starts kind of losing his jokiness because he's he knows there's he's still dying. Really good books. Oh, they're so very good. But all that all that humanism stuff is in there, and all mm-hmm. the all the themes and all the character stuff. But he's clearly not interested in jokes anymore, right? Or as much. There's still some, but it's yeah, more character. But, yeah. Like here, one of the things you and I were talking about were like. All of the gags, mm-hmm. like there would be in a moving pictures or a soul music, are presented so organically because mm-hmm. there's a million jokes about vampires in this, but they all come up naturally in conversation. There's a really good runner of uh, everyone who knows anything about vampires knows that. Right. And at the end, it's anyone who knows anything about witches knows that. And it's yeah. just, it's a, it's a good, it's a very, it's a really good joke. Classic, tried and true mm-hmm. comedic, you know, setup and payoff, but, but it's, it's done so well. But again, it's, you can see he had a laundry list of things mm-hmm. you talk about when you talk about, you know, like here are all the funny things mm-hmm. about vampires. And it's no longer like, I don't know why I said that. Nudge, nudge, nudge. You get it. You there get was it, you? like, like the, I don't drink wine mm-hmm. thing I f- thought felt a little weird. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I thought the joke was, no, I don't drink wine. I drink blood. And in this, it's like they can't drink wine. Well, vampires in some mythos can't eat anything. Right. Like it makes them sick. No, I know in what we do in the shadows, that's a whole thing. Because all they can drink is blood. Right. I understand that, but it didn't, it wasn't very clear to me. And honestly, like if I had to pick a bad thing, Mm -hmm. which was very, very difficult. And we both agonized over the bad things. Because this is a like straight up, we'll skip to our grades. This is an A plus book. Really, really, really good. This is the best of everything Discworld does. Yep. It won't be the only one. It's not like this is top of the pile by itself. This isn't my favorite book so far, but it's the best book so far. It's it's both for me, but there will be more. There will be some that I like equally as good and slightly better. But this is like, this is everything it does well. Mm-hmm. The series is like at its peak right here. We talked about how Last Continent didn't really have much of a soul or a heart. Yeah. This one does. Yeah. This has things to say about humanity mm-hmm. and about the characters and about mythological creatures. Yes. Like this has a lot to say about a lot of things. Yep. But also it serves the characters incredibly well. Um, but if, like I said, if I had to pick a bad thing, it's mm-hmm. there were a couple of concepts where I think he kind of assumed everyone knew this mm-hmm. stuff and I didn't. And maybe that's my fault. But like rhymes about magpies. I've never, I don't even know what a magpie is. Like mm-hmm. I kind of know, but I, uh, did I, you not have any like raven rhymes when you were growing up or like, uh, <laughs> that's one of the weirder uh, questions you've asked. Did you not have rhyme? any raven rhymes? Like pro rhymes? No. None of that? No. That could be a U.S. versus Canadian thing as well. No, I we bet. Had that, one for a wedding, two for a birth thing. I, that was all like, what is all this? Mm-hmm. Also, it could be a girl and boy thing. Like, could be. Could be the rhymes you said. Because the little girls were chanting all kinds of things when they played hopscotch mm-hmm. or when they jumped rope or stuff like that. And, you know, boys don't do that stuff. Yeah. That's Skipping a, isn't for boys. Yes, I know. That's a whole other thing that we could talk about another time. Mm-hmm. But And actually, there's a couple of books where it would be yeah, appropriate. appropriate. But. My point is I wasn't really raised with any of that and I didn't I I don't know anything about phoenixes mm-hmm. and there were some sort of things where you kind of had to know specific things to really get what was going on and like there's a whole concept where they go to gnarly ground mm-hmm. where the 
I guess it's sort of Eshery, and yeah. I didn't really get that either. Was that something I, a reference I missed? Or? I don't know if it was a reference, but it's something that I've read in other books, like where mm. it's harder. It's like a fantasy thing. Ah. It's harder to get through this area. It takes longer than you were expecting. It's also kind of that quantum thing he talks about sometimes yeah. too. Um, and this also had a lot to do with um, the area, the gnarly ground. You bring in with you how it's going to be. That I understood. Probably so, because of Star Wars. There's a gorge, and if you're super self-confident and not worried, it's like just a ditch. Well, yeah, Agnes and Perdita, and that's, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But, you know, of, of two minds, basically two people in the same body, like, Agnes can't handle it. Perdita is all self-confidence, so yeah. she has no problem with it. She's even better at it than the other two witches that are with her. Because she is not worried about anything. Right. And so I, I got it on those grounds. It's just some of the physical descriptions of it. I mm-hmm. couldn't quite understand what he was getting at. It, I understood as it affected the characters, but I didn't really get it. I mean, I'm, I'm grasping at bad right. things because that's not a bad thing. It's my fault for not understanding and not having the context. But a lot of times he explains that stuff well enough that even if I don't have the context. Well, most of the stuff in this book is explained so well you don't need the yeah. context. No, like I said, I don't know a ton about vampire mess, but he gave me what I needed to get it. And he's good at that. He's good at including you in on the joke. If you're not, if you weren't there from day one, it's okay. Right. He'll he'll tell you so that, you know, and I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. But it's school. also to someone who knows what it is, it's still funny. Yes. And it's not like, Jesus, get on with it. We get it. No, he'll... You turn the explanation into a joke is how you do that. Right. And and he's very good at that. But let's talk about Agnes and Perdita. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about this book is how much, how evolved the characters have become. Yes. How much they grow. Nanny and Granny are always the same. They will always be the same because they have to be. There, there has been some fleshing out of the characters, but I would say they haven't changed. No, they've become... We've learned more yeah, about them. Yeah, they become richer characters, but they're yes. the same characters. No, they're more fleshed out to us. But I feel like the granny that was presented to us, maybe not in equal rights, but in right. every witch book after that is the same granny. Right. Whereas... And in equal rights, she was already pretty there. Like, yeah, there was but there few, were some things yeah. it's like, granny wouldn't do that. Because there were a couple times where she was kind of not sure of herself or right. whatever. And there, well, I don't know what that looks like. But um, Magrat and Agnes slash Perdita in particular. There's a, there's a few other minor examples, but they're the two main ones. Mm-hmm. Magrat we've been with since um, uh, Weird Sisters. Mm-hmm. And we've seen her go from sort of like the hippy-dippy, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they say wet. I still don't know what that means. Doubling down on that one. But uh, pick it up from context clues. I kind of do, but I'm try- I'm searching for other ways to describe it. Like she's just she's soppy. I, that's just another way to say wet. But you've heard that expression. I have not. Have you not? Outside of these books, no. Have you heard of anything? <sighs> Look, <laughs> I don't read every fantasy book, okay? Or any. Yes, I've read tons of books. What are you talking about? Any fantasy books? Well, no, no. Outside of this series, you're correct. Yeah. But you read a couple of Game of Thrones books. Yeah, that's true. Because I was into the I was into the politics more mm-hmm. than anything, um, I don't know. And honestly, I think that's what makes our podcast kind of interesting is that you come at it from loving the genre, and mm-hmm. I come at it from this is the only fantasy I like. I think that's a good cross section. But Magret's always been one of your sort of your least favorite things, yes. and I've loved watching her grow. And now, like my memory was correct. This is why I have liked her because she did start out weak. Mm-hmm. And then she got a little better in the next one and she got like she understood Granny a little more when we got to Witches Abroad and they were fighting and she was willing to stand up for herself to the point to the to a detrimental point. But right. she, she it was more than the previous book. She didn't just make the tea. She was trying to push back. She was trying to assert herself. And then in the next one, Lords and Ladies, I think that I think I got the order right. I might be skipping yeah, one. No, you're right. She had her big warrior queen moment. Right. Which was great. And now in this one, she's a mother, but she hasn't lost any of her witch stuff. And she hasn't lost any of the stuff she learned in Lords and Ladies about being tough. It's a great progression. See, I disagree because the Warrior Queen stuff was something that she was tricked into thinking. Yes. And in this, the only reason she's sort of become stronger is because she's changed, like a, an essential part of herself has changed through motherhood. Okay. Um, so her essential character 
never gains any strength or agency on her own. It's only through outside forces that it happens. Okay. I see that as an argument. I don't know that I agree with it, but also there's some probably some feminist stuff going on under there that yeah. you're much more qualified to talk about than do I am. Do you want to explain feminism to me? I absolutely do not. Do you want to do that in front of people? I don't do it in private. Don't yeah, but, don't imply to people that I yeah, do that. Yeah, but do you want to do it in front of people? I don't do want to do it, right it ever. No. Do it. Go. Please don't try. Please don't imply to the people that I do that <laughs> when they're not listening either. I don't. Also, that would imply that that is something that I would be down with. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, uh, I defer to other people on things I don't know anything about because that's what you should do. But my point is, it seems to me like she has grown a bit. And I like that. And also with Agnes, like the whole Agnes Perdita thing mm-hmm. started out as Perdita was her goth girl name. Right. And that's it. It was just her alter ego. It was just she put on some black dress and some makeup and this is Perdita. There was also some great goth girl stuff in this because there was the young vampires. Oh, um, yeah. They all want to cosplay as like, you know, Chad. Yeah. They pretend to be Pam like or like Allison or whatever. Agnes. That's a great name. How'd you make that one up? You're so smart to come up with that name. Yeah, exactly. And they pretend to drink port and like eat pot pies and stuff. It's really funny. It is. But then when we get to um, uh, Masquerade, mm-hmm. it's more Perdita is a separate person, but mm-hmm. it's more like just a different side of her. Right. And here she is a distinct, complete, separate, fleshed out character. And she started out, Perdita started out being just sort of like evil Agnes. But in this, yeah, she's... like all the dark thoughts that she yeah. dare not have. But in this, she's not. No. She's a different person. She's the more like uh, assertive. Assertive, yeah. yeah. She's more assertive and she is more certain of what Agnes can do. And she sees through Granny's bullshit and she sees through Nanny's bullshit. And it doesn't happen at the expense of Agnes. They are two completely distinct people. Agnes, there's a point to Agnes. I'm not just sitting there going, why don't we just watch the Perdita show? Yeah, she's not a Perdita delivery system. No. Which is nice. Because Agnes has, there's a lot going on with Agnes as well. And... I think you chose this as your bad thing. Yes, mm. they, they did do some of the fat jokes again, but there's so much less. There's a lot less. It's a lot less unendurable. Quite a, like most of the fat jokes, but not all of the fat jokes, come from people who are kind of dickholes. Well, Perdita is the biggest source of them. Yeah, which makes sense because that's also self-loathing. a self-loathing. Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, and Perdita thinks that everything Agnes does is terrible and mm-hmm. Agnes brings everything upon herself. Yes, exactly. We also get some from Lacrimosa who is like the daughter vampire. Yeah, there's a there's a four-person nuclear yeah. family, a mom, a dad, and a brother, and a sister. And the brother's into her, which I like. Yep. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. But the, the but, sister is yeah. the super cruel one that tortures even too much for vampires. Yeah, and, and so know. she's mean. So when she says yeah. mean things about Agnes being fat, it's like, yeah, because she's kind of a bitch. Yeah, and um, there's not a lot of it from the omniscient narrator but anymore. But there's some. There is a little. If that had been stripped out of this one, yes. I, that would not be my bad thing. Because mean people being mean isn't a bad thing. No. But when the omniscient narrator says, ha ha, Agnes is fat, it's like, Fuck you, narrator. Yeah. Get and, off her jock. Yeah. And and again, it's it's way, way less. It is yeah. still there, but it's way less. There was some stuff about like the, her blush taking too long to get to her face mm. because it had so much ground Well, that's to cover. true. And, and, you know, when she would sit in a chair, it would creak because yeah. it su- supported her weight. And okay, enough. Shut up. Yeah. But, but. But there was a significantly lot less. It feels like someone may have said, hey, could you, could you lay off a little bit? Yeah, quit being such a jerk. Yeah. And, you know, he did. Yeah, he did. Um, no, it was it was way less bad than... in Because in, um, Masquerade. in Masquerade... Masquerade was, was like, the worst. It yeah. was like... Yeah. It was a little hard to read. Like it was. Sometimes where I'm like, come on, Sir, Sir yeah. Terry. You know better than this. Yeah. But the, the character, like, and now both characters have mm-hmm. come so far to the point where we get to this, this gnarly mm-hmm. ground and we get to this bridge that if you're not completely confident, seems like a chasm. Right. And she literally does a somersault as Perdita because mm-hmm. she is all she of Agnes's a, confidence. She does a, a handstand on the bridge. Which is apparently supposed to be a reference to Tomb Raider. Which I have was, no idea. No, it was big at the time. Yeah. And Terry Pratchett was a big fan. Mm-hmm. And if you, like, it's a specific character animation from the game that if you, you read it described, you're like, oh, that's from that oh, game yeah, I'm playing right yeah. now because it's 1999 or but whatever. But you didn't need that. No, exactly. No, it was just a confident thing she yeah. did. And also... Because of all these descriptions of her being very big, it was like, 
She did a handstand, really? Yeah, but Perdita says what Agnes doesn't realize is that she's also strong. Yeah, she doesn't like, realize how powerful these arms are. Yeah, and they at some point in this, either Perdita or Agnes clocks somebody, mm-hmm. I forget, and they're like, they go down. Yep. No, and that sort of opens up to what I wanted to talk about. The why One of the main mm-hmm. themes of this is that duality thing, mm-hmm. is everyone who's sort of of two minds. Well, we haven't talked about Mightily Oats yet. Yeah, so... There's a character who's a pastor who yes. comes to preside. The, the whole driving force of the story, the beginning, the sort of inciting event is the christening of Magrat and Varence's new daughter. Right. And a christening is such a cool thing to do because that's such a witchy, yeah. like that's, that's a really witchy moment. And we keep thinking because Granny um, is feeling left out and sad. And we'll talk about that yes. later. Um, we keep thinking she's going to show up and be the evil witch at the christening. Yeah, of course. Um, like in, uh, was it Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a great bit because um, Magrat names her Esmeralda after Granny, yes. which is so sweet. And she won't tell anyone what the name is. She wants it to be a surprise. And yeah. everyone knows Granny's going to make her big dramatic mm-hmm. entrance. And they keep Magrat, waiting. Magrat knows that too. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't want to tell anyone because she knows the way everyone talks. And she knows, like, no, Granny will come and make her dramatic entrance. And then she'll hear mm-hmm. and everything will be great. And then the pastor, who is Omnian. Yes. Says this. I name you Esmeralda Margaret Note Spelling of Lancre. The shocked silence was suddenly filled. Note spelling, said Magrat and Agnes together. Esmeralda, said Nanny. Mm-hmm. Very good. And that was one of the funniest just jokes. It was so note funny and, and so this, character driven. This was set up in Weird Sisters. Yep. Magrat is named Magrat because her mother couldn't spell Margaret. And she was too shy to tell the priest it was something else. Right. What I wrote, he just read what she wrote, yep. which she was semi-literate. She didn't write it correctly. And there's all weird names in Longcore. Like there's yeah. Bestiality Carter and Chlamydia. Like Yeah, and then there's Carter the Weaver mm-hmm. and Thatcher the Baker and all that, which I like too. Yep. But there's all funny names, yeah. and so it could be Magrat, but it's not. No, and it's so, supposed to be Margaret, and so she's like, this time we're getting it we're right. We're getting it right. Uh-huh. Note spelling. <laughs> so good. Oh, and then Nanny later on says, Esmeralda was a good name, um, but you know what's going to happen is they're all going to be calling her Spelly, because yep. that's how kids are. Yep. That's very So good. funny. Yeah. But so uh, Varence, the whole sort of like uh, thing that brings all this about is he's modern minded and there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more of this going forward. Ankh Morpork especially starts thinking in terms of modernization. And this is Terry Pratchett bringing his medieval fantasy stuff into sort of like the Industrial Revolution yeah, we, into we like to, more modern yeah. times well, than... We were talking like I didn't realize the truth was coming up so soon because yeah. that's one of the major... Yeah, that's the whole first... Ankh Morpork into the century of the fruit bat uh, Yeah, exactly. Books. But there's there's already a lot of talk of like and and Uberwald, which is basically sort of Germany, Transylvania. Germany, Russia, Transylvania, yeah. like the you know the children of the night. Yeah, but everyone's W's and V's are are swapped, yeah. and you know that's where all the spooky stuff comes from. And like, like I say Germany and Russia because one the accents, but mm-hmm. two that's where a lot of Western spooky stories like that seem to come from the dark woods and mm-hmm. the you know the wolves and that sort of thing. <laughs> And that's where the werewolves, basically where all the hammer horror movies right. that Terry Pratchett grew up on. I read a bit about this. Like he grew up on all those, the classic, like Christopher Lee and, and all that stuff. And like, that's, it's, it's it's like movie Transylvania. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of talk about, we need to be nice to these people. <laughs> we, we like when such and such country sneezes, the other one gets a cold and yeah. all that. And so Varens is like, okay, well, in that, yeah. let's let's invite some count from Uberwald. Well, when you inva- invite a vampire, stupid, they come. That's what happens. That's mm-hmm. one thing I do know about them. Um, but he also, as a part of this, invites a priest because Omnianism is like a major religion now, um, which that I has love. Spread. Yeah. Um, we were talking a little bit about this. You had mentioned as well. This uh, well, this book is basically like at least the passages that deal with this pastor are basically a sequel to Small Gods. It's it's a really nice sequel too because it's not a lot of like dredging up things that already happened. What it no, is, you don't is, need to have read that book, but it's a great follow on if you did. Yeah, and it, it's what happens next with this religion that we spent some time with. Well, yeah, Small because gods. we followed Brother till the end of his life, mm-hmm. but the next part of the story of a prophet is. Did his stuff work? Did it hold? Did generations later, are people still following it? And it turns out there's a million schisms and everyone's splitting and disagreeing. And hmm, what religion could this be like? Yes. And it comes down to the part where 
the religion is schisming so much that Oates is in two minds about everything. Yes. Because he's trying to see both sides of the story the whole time. Yes. And he can't, like, make a decision. No, he can't reconcile. And also his own questioning of his faith Mm -hmm. is at odds with his faith. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it felt like Terry Pratchett working through his own atheism. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like most British people are at least brought up superficially christian and Mm -hmm. then decide like it's more accepted over there at least based on the television i don't know a lot of british people but i know a few but it seems like it's way more publicly accepted to be atheist if that's what you are right than it is here but it feels like him working through it because there's a lot of philosophical back and forth and there's a lot of um oats is a a big reader he reads Mm -hmm. a lot and so he sees the stories that were turned into the holy text later on. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. it seems like this story of this group over here was just changed slightly and made mm-hmm. into the Omnian faith. And or, if that's the case, how could it be a literal truth? Like, yeah. how could it have happened? Or he calls out the fact that, and this, you know, this happened here. Like, the, the flood myth mm-hmm. happened in so many different cultures. Like, is ours correct? Are they all slightly different mm-hmm. versions of the same event or all of the other lies in ours is true? Right. Which one is right? And this culminates in when he faces down with the vampire count and he quotes some malaf- mal, yeah. mal, mal, you know, bad, bad, bad book. Yes. And, um, and he says, uh, oh, that I helped write that. Because the vampire is very, very old. Yeah, he's been around for 500 yeah. years, of course. He was around when Brother was around and helped write the book or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah. On how you fight demons and vampires. because Deliberate misinformation yeah. to keep them safe. And that really throws him for a loop. He's like, well, then, then it's, it all might true, be lies. And if yeah. nothing's true, then then what? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a really good way to talk about religion without really looking down on religion right. because there's so much about how religion is important to people, but n- not not the stories so much as the, the community part of it. And I like that. And I like that Granny, everyone thinks Granny's going to hate him so much because they're famous for burning witches. Right. Nanny hates him. But when they finally meet, she sizes him up like she does with everyone, mm-hmm. but she kind of likes him. She actually, towards the end of the book, kind of makes friends with him, which is weird for yes. Granny. Yes, Granny doesn't have friends. Except for Nanny. Except for Nanny. Yes, exactly. But Nanny hates him because she's like an old school witch. Like, she's the kind of witch who does get naked. Yeah, that thing around. people know about yeah. witches, everyone knows about witches, is and her. She's the kind of she's the kind of witch who would go make out with a demon if yeah. she wanted to. Like that she does. She's all that implied kind of it because there's yeah. been mentions of like lascivious demons, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I know a few of those. Yeah, and, you know that sort of thing. This this is my quote. There, this is a quote that has made the rounds on the internet a lot, and there's people who haven't mm-hmm. read a single word of Discworld who have seen this out of context and like it. It's just a, such a good it's passage. Really good. This is one of the great Discworld yep. passages. Like we we go on and on about like. I keep coming back to this. When does it get good? And we've been grumbling about so many books. Well, this is the fucking golden age here. Mm-hmm. Right in this period here, there's one or two missteps, but there's about a 10, 12 book run. There's not many more. There's one pothole coming four yeah. books from now. And otherwise, that's it. And I am not a huge fan of the truth, but it's not a bad yeah. book. I just don't like it that much. No, but there's still a lot to be said. Yeah. Like these other books, there's a lot of there's a lot of things about the essential nature of humans and stuff. And this is, this hits right there. Right. Um, so this is granny talking to oats. There's no grays, only white. That's got grubby. I'm surprised you don't know that. And sin young man is when you treat people as things, including yourself. That's what sin is. It's a lot more complicated than that. No, it ain't. When people say things are a lot more complicated than that, that means they're getting, they're getting worried that they won't like the truth. People as things. That's where it starts. Oh, I'm sure there are worse crimes, but they starts with thinking of people as things. So good. That's just, that's right there. And there's a lot of phrases that he repeats throughout the books that don't irritate me in the mm-hmm. way that things that happen to other people does or, you know, Dibbler or whatever. Right. It's like thinking of people as things comes up a lot. It does. Um, important is not the same as... Personal. Personal Personal is not the same as important is another mm-hmm. one. That's also a very good philosophical point that comes home in many different ways and right like if you were to write a full-on research paper about terry pratchett's philosophy these are ideas that come up again and again you know like so good but oats is another one of those of two minds people mm-hmm. and this all sort of comes to a head with granny 
who deals with this throughout every book, but especially in this one. Well, Granny's, the schism in Granny is the light versus the dark. And the pull toward the darkness. Yes. And there's um, a lot of discussion about how this is what happens to all the weather waxes. They're extremely powerful. And where their power comes from is fighting themselves. Yes. It's the friction between the desire to do evil and having... Well, Granny is the watcher who watches. Right. The reason that she acts good is because Granny is making her watch, is making her act good. No, and this will come up with Vimes. This is what I like about Vimes so much. And it's expressed basically the same way through Granny, yeah. just in, through different actions. And so that's Granny's duality. Mm-hmm. And the there's a, a passage in the book that uh, where they talk about um, vampires can control people who are single-minded mm-hmm. better than... Uh, yeah, that's than... why Oates and Agnes can resist. And they talk about how it seems weird because you'd think a strong-willed person would be harder con- to control, but mm-hmm. that's not what it says. It says single-minded. Right. Because what happens with Agnes is they try and control Agnes and then Perdita comes Yeah, to she's the under the surface screaming the whole mm-hmm. time, like, don't, you know, stop, can't you see through this? And then they start getting their hooks into... Perdita, and yes. then Agnes comes up, and it's the same with Oates, yes. who is all—he's always questioning he, everything. He hasn't put a name on his, so yep. he doesn't quite understand why it's happening. Whereas Agnes catches on pretty quick. Oh, it's mm-hmm. because I've got two voices in here. He's so muddled, he doesn't realize. Huh. Oh, it's because I'm so confused. And uh, Granny talks about how vampire hunters tended to go uh, to hunt vampires drunk mm-hmm. because that muddled them enough that it was too hard, like they right. were too foggy to get their claws into them. Right. And there's, there's a lot of talk about how vampires don't exactly read minds. Mm-hmm. They can just sort of read people. And it's so similar to Granny's headology. There's right. a lot of parallels drawn to like the way Granny operates and the way a vampire operates. Because it is similar in a lot of ways. But she's, you know, she's good for want of a better word. Right. But they, uh, they do operate in a very similar way. She always goes on about how she never puts herself forward and she uh-huh. never goes where she's not welcome. Yep. Well, and that's why my good thing mm-hmm. happens is, okay, so they bite Granny. Right. And she goes down way easier than everyone expects, and that's it. It's over. It's like two-thirds of the way through the book. There's right. still like a hundred pages to go, maybe more, Granny and you're just like... in this. Like, she looms large. No, everyone it. talks about her yeah. the whole time, and they're looking for her a lot. But there's not a ton of talk about, like, there's not a lot of scenes with her. But then... The climactic scene happens and it's it's like I say, there's still a hundred pages left. Like when we're listening to the audiobook, it's a ten hour audiobook and there were like two or three hours left, and it's like, how can Granny be out of the picture already? This doesn't feel right. And it's cause then like she has this whole battle, she goes and you know, like uh, she faces death and do you have anything about that? I don't wanna No no, no continue, continue. Okay, because there's a there's a whole passage about the the light and the shadow and all that stuff, and I didn't highlight it, but I thought maybe you had. Um and what ends up happening is it takes her a little while, but the vampires open up that connection where they make you like them. Mm-hmm. Only in this case, she sends it the other way and turns them into her. Yep. So, and it starts out really subtle. They start yeah. using phrases that we know are granny phrases. Yes. I can't be having with this. Yes. And, and that sort of thing. And at first you think... It's just a phrase that people use. Yeah. It's nothing. Or and that's then, an odd misstep in the writing that he like yeah, it gave seems that like a mistake. expression to these like highborn, you know. Mistake. Okay. Um, but then it becomes more and more until they're craving tea because she mm-hmm. craves tea and they're feeling cold because she feels cold. Yes. And the setup for their inviting her in is so good because there's a ton of vampire talk at the beginning about needing to be invited yeah. and you can't go where you're not wanted all that stuff and they spend a lot of time talking about blood because they're vampires they listen to their blood mm-hmm. and it's all in the blood and bloody blood 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 yeah and that feels very in character for vampires to talk about yeah it just feels like a dumb thing vampires say it doesn't really mean much yeah but then after they bite granny they've invited her in and she's in their blood. And she says that. Mm-hmm. She's like, and you invited me because I certainly don't go where I'm not welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, shit. And she uses the tea thing. Like, she starts torturing them by, like, making a cup of tea and just sort of idly stirring yep. it and not sipping it. And they're all just like, ah, just drink, drink the, the tea. Drink the tea. <laughs> Give me the tea. Yeah. Oh, so, so Give me good. the tea, you bastards. <laughs> and it's just, it's so 
her. Like, it's so true to the character. It so plays with, like you said, everything that was established. It didn't feel like a cheat. No, and it didn't feel like the setup felt very natural. I, If you didn't, if you haven't read the book before, you don't see Yeah, we've both read this one a bunch. But, yeah. But the, the first, first time, time, I was like, what? But it totally makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's so good. And everyone thought she was down. Everyone thought, mm-hmm. that's it. Somehow, we're the only ones left. And it's... Oh. So good. This is this might be my favorite moment or like top mm-hmm. two or three of the entire series. It's really, really good. Out of 40 plus books, this is one of my, just the things I always come back to. There's this and one with Vimes later. And oh, so it's so good. good. Yeah. So um, I want to read my quote and then yes. use that quote to roll into sort of my good stuff thing. about granny. Yeah. More yeah. stuff about granny. Yeah. Granny, 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 granny. Of course. Um, They didn't ask her. Memories jostled. Other figures marched into the shadows around the candlelight. She'd done things and been places and found ways to turn anger outward that had surprised even her. She'd faced down others far more powerful than she was, if only she'd allowed them to believe it. She'd given up so much, but she'd earned a lot. It was a sign. She knew it had come sooner or later. They'd realized it, and now she was of no more use. What had she ever earned? The reward for toil had been more toil. If you dug the best ditches, they gave you a bigger shovel. And you got these bare walls, this bare floor, this cold cottage. The darkness in the corners grew out into the room and began to tangle in her hair. They didn't ask her. And that's talking about the christening. Mm -hmm. um, Because her uh, invitation gets stolen by magpies. And Which are connected to the... The uh, vampires. The vampires, right. Um, and there's a lot of talk about how the invitations are really shiny and they've got gold edging. Mm-hmm. And so they might have taken it anyway. But the vampires use Granny's depression as a lever to get her out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And um, I never thought of it in terms of depression until this book. Yes. Like the signs were there, but it wasn't yep. so overt before. No, before we had Nanny worried about Granny because she wasn't getting enough stimulus. But that yeah. you were saying earlier... Well, that's an ADHD thing. Yeah. That's a thing I can relate to. And there's there have definitely been major characters in, mm-hmm. in pop culture. Like Sherlock Holmes was written like that. Captain Kirk was written like that. Right. Like, but but in terms of depression, I never really thought of it. But now it's like, oh, yeah, it's mostly her and her thoughts most mm-hmm. of the time. And she's always trying to keep the darkness out. And, oh, this is a depression thing. Wow. Yep. Very and good. And now she feels like she's no longer needed yeah. because... Um, you need three witches and, well, Magrat's the mother now. Yep. So you got the three. Yep. And so uh, now Granny feels like she's not welcome. And the last sort of kick in the teeth was they. she thinks they didn't invite her to the christening, this mm-hmm. big party. Yeah. And there's the whole, like, they, you know, the whole segment where they're going through the gnarly ground to find her, where she's hiding. She's hiding in a place where she's hard to find. And... They do find her and um, confront her. And this this is a passage mm-hmm. that I just, I, we had to, I think we have to talk about. Um, she says, I can go where I like. And uh, Agnes says, yes, but you ought, she began. She wished she could bite the word back, but it was too late. Oh, ought is it? Where does it say ought? I don't remember it saying ought anywhere. I'm turning her into David Mitchell. <laughs> Anyone going to tell me where it says ought? There are a lot of things that ought, I dare say, but they ain't. She just like... Because everyone expects her. It's like what you just read. Everyone yeah. expects her to do it, but she's like, why? Why? I, don't I didn't have sign to. up for that. I'm here, but so I've are been you. I'm doing it, but. Why don't you do it? Why is it There's my job? There's three of you. You don't need me anymore. Yeah, exactly. And the, oh, just so good. And people only come to her when they need her, they don't come to her. Well, nobody likes her. No, and because she's not likable. Yeah. Like, to be clear, yeah. she's very powerful and she's very smart. But she's not very nice to be around. She's always testing people and she's always pushing people away. Yeah. And that's why we remarked earlier that her making a friend in Oats is Mm -hmm. so rare. Because apart from Nanny, who she's known her entire life. And Nanny's the friendliest person in the world. Yeah. Hardly anyone is not friends with Yeah, exactly. But there's like, there's a bit where Nanny says, like she's thinking about Mm -hmm. all this. And she's like, oh no, it might be Agnes thinking about this. There's a reason they send Nanny out for the births mm-hmm. and Granny out for the deaths. And, and like, part of mm-hmm. that is her being a crone. Yeah. But part of it is also because of who she is. She, But also because she has this power, but also nobody wants her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Nobody wants to talk to her. You just deal with the dead people. Mm-hmm. And there's a great bit near the beginning where 
uh, she's out dealing with um, a mother having some complications in her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And if Granny doesn't show up, they're both going to die. Right. And when Granny shows up, thankfully, they only lose one of them. And was it the baby or the mother? I don't know. Uh, the, the mother lives and the baby dies. Ah, okay. And the baby is, she knows, is a boy. And so the midwife is like, oh, this is a hard decision mm-hmm. uh, because, oh, a boy is very important. Yeah. Um, and um, the midwife asks Granny if they should tell. Well, this is, the, I, I had yeah. this highlighted, yeah. Uh, you still reckon I should have asked Mr. Ivy, she said. That's what I would have done, the woman mumbled. You don't like him? You think he's a bad man? Said Granny, adjusting her hat pins. No. Then what's he ever done to me that I should hurt him so? Yeah, because making him pick is yeah, no. terrible. No. It's a terrible, that's a terrible thing to put on someone. Yes, absolutely. No, that, and then it was very similar to the uh, scene from the previous witch book mm-hmm. where the the uh, cow kicked the, uh, That's that was the one, right? No, the cow kicked the baby in this one. Or kick the, the mom in this one. Ah, that's what it was. Well, what was the other one then? Because she said, take the horse. Oh, God. I'm there. I'm well, the, still mixing yeah. them up in my head. Well, there's a horse that's dying and there's a like a uh, a baby that's dying. That's what it is. That's the, what it is. And, both and she of plays a game with death die. and yeah. she basically tricks, not tricks him, but wink, wink, yeah. tricks him into. And, I, and it's different enough from that. I still mix them up in my yep. head, obviously. Because in this one. The cow kicks the mom, and that's right. What, that's, that's what, what causes it, it. That's what it, they're in the both in a one, barn, and they yeah. both involve a piece, you know, yeah. a, a livestock. But it's it's a very different situation. In this one, she even says, "Make sure that they don't kill the cow, right? Because they're going to need the cow because things are going to be difficult, right?" There's actually um, one more passage I want to read mm-hmm. about Granny and witchery, and I promise we're not going to read the whole book. I honestly, my my passages are very short, and I think I'm done with them all. Mines so. are real long. Well, good um, luck with all this. <laughs> Isolated homesteads passed below, a few with lighted windows, but most of them dark, because people would long ago have headed for the palace. There was a story under every roof she knew. She knew all about stories. But those down there were the stories that were never to be told, the little secret stories enacted in little rooms. They were about those times when medicines didn't help and headology was at a loss because the mind was a rage of pain in a body that simply had become its own enemy. When people were simply in a prison made of flesh, and at times like these she could let them go. There was no need for desperate stuff with a pillow or deliberate mistakes with the medicine. You didn't have to push them out of the world. You just stopped the world from pulling them back. You just reached out and showed them the way. There was never anything said. Sometimes you saw in the face of the relatives the request they never put into words. Or maybe they'd say, is there something that you can do for him? And this was perhaps the code. If you dared ask, they'd be shocked that you might have thought they meant anything other than perhaps a comfier pillow. And any midwife out in an isolated village on bloody nights, would know all the other little secrets, never to be told. Mm -hmm. And that's about witching and standing on sort of the liminal line between life and death and light and dark. And again, that sort of duality. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how this book really is good at theme. Mm -hmm. This, This theme sort of, over and over again from coming from different angles and it's yeah it doesn't so feel good. repetitive or terrible it just feels you know yeah yeah it's so good and that's sort of my good thing is us dealing with granny's depression mm-hmm. and the reason she like i mean it's it's in her anyway right but this really sort of brings it to the forefront this is what's like going right. on here right exactly uh what else um, so Mightily Oates is a, like a fun character who we don't, we, he yeah. gets, he gets name dropped, um, in a, in a couple of later books, but he doesn't really right. show up again. No, there's, there's really no way to bring him back. So, you know. And he goes off into Uberwald to bring the, the light of Om, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to the, the werewolves. There. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but he's a character who sort of never shows up again, but has a, a really sort of powerful presence in this book, which he that's does. hard to do to have a character we'll never see before and never see again. Uh, he's good at that though. Mm-hmm. I mean, brother, you know, same way. Mm-hmm. Like there's a few others like that. And, uh, there's a great moment at the end 
where after spending like he, he helps granny's almost dead yeah and he helps her through the mountains the mm-hmm. whole time her saying she's helping him yes that's which all is very very good. funny uh-huh. and then at the end um th- there's a moment where she's almost being taken over by vampires mm-hmm. and he has an axe to end her mm-hmm. if um if it if that happens yep. um and at the end he's still got that axe and he uses it to behead the count yes. after they defeat him and uh then uh the, the the count says well that axe isn't a holy axe and uh oat says well we could make it so yeah, today that could be a holy symbol it it just helped me do a holy thing mm-hmm. and from that, he sort of takes that the whole world can be holy and everything mm-hmm. is like everything can be sort of magical and, and important. Right. And uh, Granny brings him or uh, like delivers a present uh, that's a like a holy axe symbol yeah. for him in the future. Yeah, I had really um, nice. uh, uh, Jason Ogg yeah. forge one, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. Because his uh, turtle amulet gets lost in the in the right. woods. There's a little talk of their, the holy symbol of, of the Church of Om has become uh, Brutha being tortured on the giant turtle. Mm-hmm. and Which Brutha would have hated. Yeah, exactly. And it's a nice like nod to Christianity's mm-hmm. symbol being <laughs> Christ up on the cross. Do you re- that's, what you, that's what you chose. That's, and that's what you, what you want to celebrate. That's, that's what you love? And I get it. I get it. Yeah, but... I'm not trying to say anything, you know. Yeah, but it's not very nice. I, it's... It's a choice. Yeah. That's a choice, all right. That's uh, a choice. <laughs> let's see. We had the first appearance of the Knack MacFiegel, who will come mm-hmm. up uh, several times. They're okay Hence, in this. I yeah. find them, I find that they get pretty tiresome in later books. They don't bother me as much as they do you, but... Uh, but in this, they were fine. Like, I they would, were here the right amount. But I would say between them and Igor, who mm-hmm. is, the you know, the, the stock mm-hmm. uh, sidekick to the vampires... I'm glad we did the audiobooks yeah. because the dialogue for both like the Feagles and him are very difficult to read in text. Yep. Thankfully, Nigel Planer. Nigel Planer did maybe the best work he ever did in this book. So good. Oh, and so this much is, emotion, such good acting. This is his last appearance, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Stephen Briggs is next and he's also very good. But Nigel Planer brings some stuff, particularly to Granny, mm-hmm. where she's talking to the, the shadow, you know, like... Uh, uh, I've always been here. Come with me. No. Mm-hmm. Come come on. You want to? No. I know every bad thing you've ever thought of. I know. And it sounds almost annoyed mm-hmm. rather than like defiant. And I like that because I feel like Granny's fought this fight her whole life and it's not a sudden like dramatic stand. It's right. the same fight she's had every day. And it is kind of annoying and old hat at this point because I know. Of course, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Hey, do you know that nobody likes you? Mm-hmm. Sure Ugh, do. I know. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. people dealing with their depression, if you've survived into mm-hmm. your 30s or 40s, you can handle it better a lot of the it's time. Like because that same you... old voice. Shut up. Yeah, our... Oh, it's you again. Hello. Not, not to say that, you know, like people who can't are weaker or anything like that. Just that it... To certain people, it becomes just part of the, uh-huh. like, okay, this is the thing I have. I hate it, but it's the thing I have to live with. Haven't you got a new stick depression? Yeah, exactly. Uh, anything else? Um, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much the, pretty much the whole story. We should talk about uh, a few of our sort of programming things here. Um, so the, we've got the pun or play on words. Yes, what did you, what did you um, have for that? So this one's a bit of a, a longer walk. Okay. Um, Oates is talking about one of the many schisms. Ah, uh, yes. Um, to be honest, there are, uh, are a number of opinions on uh, on what was meant. How many, said Agnes? About 160 since the schism of 10.30 a.m. February 23rd. That was when the reunited Free Chilonialists, Hubward Convention, uh, split from the reunited Free Chilonians' Rimward Convocation. It was rather serious. Blood spilled, Agnes said. She wasn't really interested, but it took her mind off whatever might be waking up in a minute. No, but there was fisticuffs, and a deacon had ink spilled on him. I can see why that was pretty bad. There was some serious pulling of beards as well. Gosh, said Agnes. Sects maniacs, said Perdita. <sighs> that Sects maniacs. That is the part of yourself you should bury, Agnes. You were uh... correct to do so. Terrible. Just terrible. Uh, did you do your quote? I feel like you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. 
So for our cliche count, mm -hmm. uh, we are super light on just yeah. about everything. No quantums, no surreptitious, no stesurations. Something that happens to other people happened once, but it was like a different sort of phrasing mm -hmm. of it, which I actually liked. It was Nanny talking about how witches happen to other people. It wasn't right. the narration. It was a character saying it. And describing and one time. describing the witches as a force, mm -hmm. and it actually like it fit. It wasn't just like here's my dad joke again. It was like no. Also, Nanny absolutely makes mm -hmm. you know lady dad jokes, mm -hmm. one hundred percent. But there were five gingerlies, mm -hmm. and they all happened kind of close together because yep. we we were on vacation, which is why the uh, the acoustics are a little off this time. We're also recording why the, I'm sick. Yes. That be, of course, because we can't have anything nice. Can't have nice things. Yes, but uh, we are in a bit of an echoey room, so I apologize for that. But uh, the, the point is, uh, we listened to a good chunk of this book on a long road trip here. The, actually, the reason we're recording is we want to listen, start, get started on the next book on yeah, our way home. because we're excited to hear I, the next I don't want to wait. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but it was definitely in the same stretch of road where uh -huh. we heard three or four of the gingerlies and it was like, oh man. How does he do it? It's just like in an hour, like in a 10% chunk of the book, just like so many gingerlies. But yes, next time we are doing The Fifth Elephant, which we're going back to watch books. Um, this is sort of his Uberwald period. Like mm -hmm. this is where the concept, I, I'm pretty sure it's come up before, but it's really like introduced full on in this book and it's a thing he will talk about for a while. The Igors, the the vampires, the werewolves, all that stuff. Like, huge part of this next book. Uh, it's basically vines versus werewolves, and it is excellent. Yeah, I'm like the. I like a lot of this stuff, and the Igor in this got a little tedious, but yes. um, later on in the series, I, I really enjoy the character. They become sort of the doctors and the surgeons. There's, it's already a bit in here because he yeah. talks. You know, the whole thing is like. Intro again, introducing modern concepts mm -hmm. to medieval things, and in this case, it's organ donors. He has a dog made up of a Aww. bunch of different dogs named Scraps. Yeah, Scraps. Yep. And uh, so he's got like three tails. And the dog dies, and of course, it's very sad. Yep. Uh, but then, because it's a Frankenstein monster, like the uh, Igor just brings him back, and there's a funny scene with death. Yeah, where death wants to get rid of him. Yeah, he's way more of a cat person, mm -hmm. as we've well established. So yeah. But uh, yeah, looking forward to the next book, mm -hmm. which is also, as I recall, in the A range somewhere. So the next book's really good too. Yeah, not a, I don't think it's quite as good as this one. No, but very good. But there are watch books that are this yeah. good. So, uh, so is that it? Is that that's it. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross. Copyright 2019 and 2020. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.